I can hear you. The rest of the world can hear you. And the people who knocked these buildings down will hear all of us soon. These are the infamous words from George W. Bush on 9-11. If you were alive, you remember exactly where you were on that tragic day when those two towers fell down and the country grieved the loss of over 3,000 people. But how would the people who knocked these buildings down hear all of us soon? It would be through our soldiers, our courageous men and women that fight for this country and fought back when all of this happened. Later, George W. Bush would paint pictures of soldiers that he had met over the years. He called them the portraits of courage and the paintings are toured all over the world to see his handiwork. If you turn to page 125, you will see today's guest featured in the portraits of courage painted by George W. Bush. And that would be a portrait of my friend, Josh Michael. Josh Michael is the guest today and he served in the infantry. He was wounded in battle, and he has an incredible testimony of God's favor and protection around him as he served in active combat. He's he's really had some incredible honors. Um, He mountain bikes with George W. Bush on a regular basis, Um, but if you talk to Josh, he'll tell you that his value is found in so much more than just that. It's his relationship with God that defines who he is. Josh is an honorary French member. He is the fourth brother, basically, so it's me, Jonathan Ryan, and growing up, there would always be Josh. And we have so many incredible memories with him. Josh, if you're listening, I love you, bro. And I appreciate you for being on the podcast today. It really means the world. Uh, But for everybody listening, uh, today's going to be a very special episode because Josh is going to talk about what it was like being an apostolic in the infantry and, and the ways that he committed himself to God uh, when he was in situations where he didn't have accountability in the military, he made a decision that he was going to be apostolic in the infantry. It's going to be a very special episode. Thank you guys for tuning in with special guest Josh Michael. Let's go. Testing, testing, one, testing, one, two, three. All right, Josh, one You're last You're going to ask me to close out in prayer? Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't know about that. Feels Let's right. talk to my agent. Talk to your agent. Let me know what he says. I think he says it's your podcast. You pray, everybody. I'm not a minister. <laughs> All right, everyone. I am here with my long-lost brother, Josh Michael. Josh, how you doing, bro? I'm doing good. Man, uh, we had a great night, just had some Chinese food, and it is now 11 o'clock at night, but Josh is such a trooper, he agreed to still do this podcast. Bro, how long has it been since you've been in Georgia? Uh, 2015 at your wedding. Oh my, 2014, whoa. 2014, yeah. Yeah, I was married in 2014. Oh, well, that's the last time I was here. Wow, (laughs) that's crazy. I guess when a French gets married, I... Come to Georgia. So <laughs> That's awesome, I don't know bro. who's next. Maybe we Julia. need to like uh, get you out here though. Besides weddings, yes, and, like, of course. Yes, of course. Cool, but yeah. man, I'm so excited that you're in town. I've been really excited about the podcast. Uh, and for everybody listening, Josh is is like a brother. We grew up together. Um, my mother always says that he is the fourth French brother, and we absolutely. Um, are thankful for him and for his friendship. There's nothing like lifelong friends, uh, and he's my elder in the Lord. No I'm kidding. He's not that much older. I'm not that well. He's my elder. I'm pretty old. <laughs> he's my elder. But so for everyone listening, Josh um, has a really incredible story. Uh, he's got an incredible testimony, and he 
was a Pentecostal in the infantry. And uh, I talked to Josh. He agreed to come on the show. I'm very thankful that he did. Uh, But first and foremost, bro, I just want to thank you for your service to this great country. And I'm thankful to have a friend who has served and has been able to tell me some of the background of that. And we're going to be focusing on what it's like. Josh is apostolic. And so we're going to talk about what it was like being an apostolic Pentecostal Christian while serving in the military. So Josh, let's rewind back before you were in the service. And would you mind sharing the steps in your life that led to your decision to enlist in the army? Well, that's a, that's a really interesting story, but it's unfortunately not as grandiose as maybe some others uh, that have a great story about why they joined the military. I, um, you know, I was just living in Indianapolis where, you know, we all met and went to church together and grew up together. And, and I got to tell you, I was just, I don't know, I just kind of felt like I wasn't going anywhere in life. I was kind of stuck. Um, most everybody I knew from church, like especially you guys moved away. So a lot of family moved away and I was just kind of working and, you know, going to church and, you know, I was involved at Calvary, you know, playing bass and singing. I, you know, didn't feel like I wasn't doing anything, but at the same time, I didn't feel like I was supposed to be where I was. So I just prayed, you know, I need a change. You know, I actually did a prayer and I was like, God, I need to, I want to know it's you. I want to know it's something that I typically wouldn't do, you know. Yeah, yeah. And the next day I woke up with the strong desire to join the military at 28 years old, which is not very wow, not very common. Um, I'm 28 now, so there you go. It'd be like me waking up today and being like, "Okay, Bingo. I'm feeling that." Wow. Bingo, bingo. So, um, so yeah, I woke up, went to the recruiter that day, talked to him uh, about possibly joining, trying to figure out, did some research, and I just felt so strongly about it. I just, you know, there's a million jobs you could do in the army, and yeah. You know, they were giving out bonuses at the time, and some were pretty attractive, you know, and um, I originally signed up to be artillery, but then I just, I don't know, I just didn't feel right. No offense to any artillery people out there, but I I decided if I'm going to go out there and do it, I'd like to be in where the action is in the front, so I just signed up to be in the infantry, and being an older guy and not as in shape as everybody else that comes in when they're 18, it it was quite the change for sure, but... You know, obviously, I've always had an interest in the military. You know, everybody talks about 9-11, but, you know, service to your country, and it just felt like the right thing to do, and I felt like God was calling me, but it took me a very long time to understand yeah. why that was. You know, that's a pretty that's a pretty big jump, you know. Absolutely, yeah. So you're, so you're enlisted, and you've made that decision, and you decided— uh, to go army and you decided not to do artillery so at that point was there like a shift in your in your mindset like wow this really just happened like like did I did, did i really just do this yeah like, yeah um i don't know i just i actually kind of felt kind of calm about it to be honest with you it was um i think the night before before you take off like when you go to meps uh, was kind of a little bit of a, a deal. But at that point, I've already, you know, stored all my stuff, got ready to go, closed down my apartment, and uh, shipped me down to Atlanta, shipped me down to Columbus, Georgia, where they, uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, where they trained the infantry. And showed up that night, you're standing there in the middle of the night, it's cold. Uh, even though it was the middle of the summer, but it, was, it felt cold because you're standing there and you don't know what to expect. And... Uh, you realize you're really old compared to everybody else that's coming in there. I mean, it's true. I mean, I... Yeah, what, a lot of 19-year-olds? A lot of 18, 19-year-olds. Wow. Yeah, especially in the infantry. Like, if you're coming... 28-year-olds are usually pretty high up in ranks because they're just... (laughs) You know, they've been in forever. They come in for a while. To them, that's being in for 10 years. So so that was kind of an interesting thing, and it was a pretty large culture shock, you know, and... uh, yeah, so I mean, like the civilian life versus the army life. What's your first changes there? Where do you start realizing, okay, this is the biggest difference of being in the army versus being a civilian? You are told what to do every mm. second of the day. Don't 
think, don't try to think outside of what they try to do. Don't have a second thought. They say, put all your civilian clothes in a certain bin, and you think that for some reason it's wow. okay to leave a shirt in your bin, and then they find it and they dump everybody's bin out. I mean, <laughs> oh my it, goodness. I don't typically talk about basic training stuff because once you're out of basic training, it's like, it's like talking about what happened in kindergarten because that's once you get out of basic training, it's it's just a that's when the real work starts. Once you get to your unit, that's the work, real work. Um, but yeah, as far, as far as basic training, it was there's some rough kids, you know. There's some yeah. kids that you know. There's some people that join because they wanted to. There's some people that had to join because they had to for you know law trouble or. What you know, whatever it was, but right. okay. I can tell you there was not a single Pentecostal in that entire <laughs> yeah. group. Yeah. I can tell you that. Did you ever meet a Pentecostal when you were in yep. the army? Yep, I did actually. Uh, wow. There was one in my unit um, right when we deployed. Uh, he lives in Ohio, I think, but uh, he was—I think he was ALJC. But yeah, it was definitely interesting. We'll accept that. We'll yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, we'll honestly, that. I mean to be honest with you, I mean not to get too far ahead, but. No, yeah, go ahead. You know, when, you know, whenever you, so I was, after I got done with, uh, you know, basic training, they sent me to Fort Polk, Louisiana with 10th Mountain, 4th Brigade. And it was a pretty tough unit. It's a pretty tough duty station. Most people that will hear Fort Polk will say, oh, you know, because it's, they used to train the uh, infantry to go to Vietnam there because it's pretty similar weather conditions. Mm -hmm. Anyways, but, um, you know, it was pretty tough, but, you know, I actually met, uh, you're just happy to meet a Christian in general, not, you know, not knocking anybody that joined the infantry that, you know, they're a Christian in their hearts, but sure. an actual person that, you know, doesn't drink, doesn't go to the strip clubs and party and right. things like that. So, right. yeah. you know, him and I connected, you know, on some sort of level. So there was somebody to do something with for the most part, you know, which is kind of nice, but that's cool, bro. Yeah. So I know that you said you don't talk a lot about like basic training, and and uh, don't worry, I won't make you talk a lot about. Oh it. no, I just but, say you don't talk about it like it was hard or anything. Yeah, yeah. but like, what does that? Uh, what is that? Like, what what do they kind of start you at? What's the so, first step between that and when you're actually moving on to the next level? So what they do, and I'm trying to remember it all because it's been so long, but they have different phases. So the first three weeks, because uh, I went for, you know, infantry, so everything's there. Excuse me. And the infantry is like 16 weeks or something like that. Like nine weeks of it is basic training and the rest is infantry school, which is pretty much everything you're doing anyways. But it's it's the same thing. It's just extended. But the first couple of weeks is when they weed out the week. You know, it's red phase. They make it really difficult when you're going through all the obstacle obstacle courses everybody likes to see to see who's gonna be able to you know tough it out and it's you know it's 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 tough because you're not getting used to yelled at that much and you know especially if you're grown or it's just basically the whole point of a of a basic training is to kind of beat the civilian out of you to change your mindset of you know there's no gray it's go or no go you know stuff like that so each phase, you know, I think our unit started with about a hundred and like a hundred people, and we graduated like fifty people, which you know, so we had that many people quit or drop out for whatever reason, and um, so yeah, I mean, wow. that's just kind of what it is. I mean, they kind of see who's got it and who doesn't, but like I said, I mean, a basic infantry course, I mean, it's tougher training than mo than most training in the army, but there's definitely a lot tougher training out there, so. Wow. Um, so if you can't hack it there, you know, you can't hack it anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, that. I think I would fail the most basic of basic. <laughs> well, be like, who's that French guy over there? Because yeah. you need to send him home. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, it's uh, you just got to have a motivation. You have to have a reason why. So that's awesome, bro. I'm so excited about just everything God's done in your life, your story. And, uh, you know, I can't I can't even imagine what it must be like serving in active combat and once those boots hit the ground and and uh you know we've we've all heard the stories um you know we've seen footage and documentaries uh but for those like yourself who've lived that and you've walked in those shoes uh what was like that like i mean you've gone from training 
and now you're really in the midst of it. You're in combat. I know, I mean, we're friends, so I know you've seen active combat. We've talked about it. But for those listening that maybe have never heard your story, um, what was that like for you the first time you're, you're actually in battle for real? Well, it's interesting because um, you don't know what to expect. You know, we mm-hmm. fly over on a C-17, you know, you land on the, the FOB. And even though the FOB is huge, uh, for people that don't know, it's the forward, forward operating base and uh, usually houses like a brigade, a couple thousand soldiers. And so it, it was big enough to have a runway, if that tells you anything. Most don't. Um, and, you know, you, you know, 10th Mount was a rapid deploy unit. So as soon as I got to my unit, we were deplo- we were already we were training to deploy. I mean, we trained every day. We had, I mean, it was pretty ruthless pretty much the whole time so we were ready we were prepared and we trained for a year and a half to be there so we got you know you hit the ground and a year just, and a half yeah well i mean from when i got to the unit until they mm. left wow. and um so we got there you get off the truck you never forget that first moment where you're looking around you're like i'm in enemy territory for real <laughs> you know you're just it's real and it's just kind of interesting the first day from the last day you're there. You know, things you get used to and you realize that it's really – I mean, it's bad, but you just get kind of used to that kind of life. But So, yeah, I mean, my first – we got to our little fire base, which held about 100 people. And, uh, I mean, we didn't even have time to put our rucks down anywhere, and they already put us on our first mission. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, like first day, first mission, first hour. This is going to be crazy. And, um, so wow. I, st- I, I tried to keep account of how many missions we did and things like that, because, you know, you gotta have to keep your mind busy. So, I mean, I, I don't think that we really hit any really major combat until about three weeks. And, and then we really started to see some, uh, cause we, we landed in October of 2010. And so it was be- the end of their real hot season. So the people we were fighting pretty much from October until, may were locals you know they weren't really all that trained they get paid to do some pop shots at us you know and try to get us to see what we do test us out um so yeah third third weekend we got shot at and actually to be truth be told to be funny it's not funny but it's funny now but first time i ever got shot up was actually from uh it was a little bit of friendly fire from our uh, uh an afghan unit that was attached to us and started shooting at us on it. They didn't know who we, they didn't know who we were. So I was like, okay, they were shooting at us. First time I got shot at was from <laughs> friendly fire. It's terrible. But, well, it is, it's, it was fun. It's funny now. But then after that, on the way back, we got, we got shot at pretty good. And so we returned some fire and showed them who we, what we were made of. And, um, yeah. it was a pretty, it was a pretty long, it was a pretty hot deployment. Um, we had, uh, the area of operation we were in RCE, so Logar Province, and we had. There's only just a few hardball roads in Afghanistan, and two of them went through our area of operations. So we had a lot of enemy activity, you know, during that year. So my unit actually got a presidential unit citation for our actions during that summer. We had so much heat, and I didn't. It was my first and only deployment. I I thought it was normal to get ambushed three times a day. You know. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty it was pretty intense, but I. It just seemed like normal, you know, day, everyday thing. You know, after a while, you just kind of get used to getting shot at. Man, it gets my heart racing just thinking about it. But what was, um, and I know, like, you know, you don't have to go into too much detail, whatever you feel comfortable with. Oh, that's fine. But, you know, we're friends, we're close, so I, you know, I don't, you know, I want to ask you any questions that I feel like you would feel no. uncomfortable with. But no, it's been so long, and I've been asked about everything, so I'm not too worried about it. Were there any, well, a twofold question? Were there any fearful moments that stood out uh, to you in combat, and then did you ever have to follow through on things where it was like you're sh- you're shooting, there's fire, there's rapid fire, you see the enemy going down at the end of your gun what's that like emotionally for you and how do you deal with that when it happens well i know that's a big question but well I just... it's not i mean it's kind of a two question two-part question so one 
and this is going to sound really cold, <laughs> Sorry, go but ahead. that's part of the, tra- you want to know what the training does. And I don't want to say it makes you cold, but by the time that it was like really hot and heavy, uh, we'd seen enough action. I, I, I deployed optimistic. I, I thought we'd make a difference. And to be honest with you, we did. Uh, there's people that couldn't cross the street without worrying about getting, you know, hit by, you know, gunfire. And then by the time we'd left there, they could, you know, walk across the street safely. So if I feel like, wow. I think that's a win, you know, I mean, it may not affect the world or what people think should happen over there. But I think that if somebody has a taste, what it's like to cross the street without getting shot at, it's pretty good. That's I think awesome, we did man. a good job, but that's awesome. as far as, um, getting shot at and shooting back at people, uh, no emotion. I mean, they're trying to kill me and they're trying to kill my units, trying to kill my friends they're nothing but a target yeah. I mean, in my mind. I mean, I don't want to sound cold. That's a soul. I get it. They need to go to heaven, but sorry, dude, that's my job. You know, I don't yeah. shoot first. We're not, we don't ever shoot first. You yeah. know, we're trying to do, we're actually trying to take the bad guys and get them out of there. And so if they want to be bad, we're badder. Yeah. So in the heat of that moment, I can imagine that's your emotions, but like, let's say you're at the end of the day and you're looking back. Was that ever hard to, think back over things or is it truth kind of be, the same truth, emotion truth be told i mean i mean i legitimately everybody don't know. everybody deals with it differently yeah and i've you know i've gone through a lot of you know therapy and stuff like that and i don't really know if that affected what i really thought about it to be honest with you because i never really felt it's just hard to think about something like feeling bad about shooting back yeah. you know what i mean like you're yeah. You follow, and to my mind, you know, we f- you follow every rule they set out. We had a lot of rules of engagement. So when I knew that when we were allowed to shoot back, which is terrible, you should just be able to do it. But I knew that for sure it was a bad guy. For sure it was okay. For sure it's cleared to do. So if I felt like iffy about, oh man, was that an innocent person? You know, there was nobody innocent over there. I mean, not to sound cold but yeah yeah we tried so hard to have them tell us who the taliban were and they knew who they were and they never told us who they were and it's like this could be so much easier but but uh so to, rules of engagement what's an example of when you can't fire back uh you can't fire back if you can't tell they have a weapon mm. so if you think somebody's shooting at you and you look and you can't see a weapon you can't shoot at them they call it pid positive id Okay, so I got you. that makes sense. Well, yeah, but and to circle back on your second part of your question about you know if there was times where I was scared and um, I don't think any sane person would say that they couldn't be scared sometimes, but um, you know not to be cliche, but I, I honestly do feel like all the prayers that I had when I was deployed were over me because I it was rare that I ever really got scared. I think I was yeah. confident in our awesome. unit confident in our uh, capabilities and our training but there was one i mean obviously whenever i almost died that was kind of scary but um yeah but there was one mission actually it was interesting um that was kind of that stuck out to me where i was not sure if we were going to get out because it just started out terrible um we did this we had a high um high level army officer rolling through our area and so we did a we just called it a bullet shield mission we were out there just to distract and it was in a the worst part of our area so we went out it was just i mean poorly conceived poorly planned in my position and we there was no cover we were on we were separated from our other platoon 500 yards away and we're both on top of hilltops with no cover in the middle of the worst part you could be we're there for 15 minutes, and they already start shooting at us. There's no cover. We're on a hill with um, with gravestones and stuff. I mean, I literally sat down, and there were snipers taking pop shots all around me. And the medic, and we always had a morbid sense of humor back then because the medic's like, why don't you get out of the way? I was like, well, he's pretty accurate everywhere but here, so I think I'll just sit here for a minute, you know. And then we, uh, long story short, we, we finally... F- they started surrounding us, and so we had to fight our way down the hill, which is not fun to do whenever it's wide open. You can't see them. So we got down there, and uh, it was really hard to tell where they were coming from, but they had our other platoon pinned down, and uh, um, and a, 
I don't know, a grave shed, I guess it's accurate. I mean, they couldn't move at all. They were mm-hmm. getting yeah. pounded. Long wow. story short, we had to run over there to to relieve them, but we had to run through a whole bunch of dudes to do that. So I was actually, I was a little bit nervous because there was not a lot of us, and I we knew that there was tons out there, and somehow we got out. But, you know, we, we were out there for like 10 hours for in my opinion, no reason at all. <laughs> wow. You know, no reason. I mean, and the guy didn't even come through the area in the first place. So we just like, ugh. and it was probably 130 degrees outside too. But oh my goodness. there's, trust me, man, there's plenty of people that have far worse stories than that. But that was one of the ones where I was kind of iffy about yeah. coming out of there. But No, I mean, I can yeah. see that for sure. Yeah. Um, did you ever have to deal with one of your friends getting hit or going down or? Or seeing that happen when you were yeah. in combat? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually wear the KIA bracelet on my hand. His name is uh, First Lieutenant Scott Milley. He got shot in the face. So that was um, like November. So we were only there for like a month. And oh. he got shot in the face by a machine gun. It was, it was pretty over pretty quick. So. Man, I but, can't even imagine, bro. I mean, honestly, it's just, you know, it's surreal. You know, whenever you see that stuff, that's when you know it's 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 real. It's real, yeah. yeah. Now, I want to talk a little bit about you were uh, in the infantry and and you were seriously injured. And uh, I, mean, I guess technically that was your uh, last day out there. Yeah. <laughs> right? And yeah. so it just kind of ended really abruptly. But um, And we can talk about that. But can you tell us a little bit about uh, your injury and... And what happened? Would you mind sharing that part of your story with yeah, us? Yeah, sure. Um, so September 8th, 2011, uh, we were we only had about 20 days left of our deployment. And we did these rotations out to this super small fire base um, out on the far edge of our area of operation. And uh, it had a, a paved road that went through there. And we set up a traffic control point. And we really couldn't patrol too far out of that base because everything out there was Taliban. I mean, we were eight miles from our fire base and then probably 10 miles from the main FOP. So we were really out there. We've been out there many, many times. Anyways, so it was my turn to man the, the traffic control point. And uh, where I was standing was the entrance, and we had two machine gun nests. Um, on the left and the right, about 10 feet up, and we'd rotate our guys out of there so the snipers wouldn't know which one we were manning. Anyway, so the first blast went off. We It was so far away, we didn't even know what it was. Uh, me and this, It was me and an uh, interpreter and another guy out there, and we thought, it, there's like no way this guy's shooting at us because it's so far away. And then the second, the second hit a little closer... And this was 11 and a half months into our deployment. I mean, we've seen everything, heard of everything, been in everything. So we were pretty numb to those kind of things because we knew what was close and wasn't close. And long story short, about the third one, I decided to actually leave. So <laughs> uh, wrong place, right time. Landed about five. Uh, they were shooting mortar blasts at us, and oh, they had a spotter in, in the mountain above us, and they ended up... Uh, and it landed about five feet from me and destroyed my left arm and leg. And they pulled me out and because uh, everybody had left because they were all taking cover and me and this other guy were out there still and they forgot we were out there. Well, it's not, it's really my fault. I should have just left. But um, so I had to crawl out of there. I was afraid they were going to shoot another one if they would have obliterated me if it would have. Um, so then they pulled me back to the, to the little connex, the medic connex. I mean, that area gets so much action. You, a company has two medics, senior medics, and they would rotate out there. And, uh, you know, luckily the guy was able to give me my IV right away. But my, I tried to get up. Um, my knee felt like it was just a little bit stinging, you know, like you scrape your knee on the concrete, the wind gets to it or something, it stings. Uh, so I thought my leg was the problem. Um, but when I got hit, my, my hand had blood on it, and I didn't know why. And, um, so then I tried to get up with my left arm and then that's when it split in two started not to be graphic, but (laughs) spraying, spraying blood and, uh, bone everywhere. 
and uh, that's when I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. So I, I, wow. I was just trying to crawl out as fast as I could. They came and got me, like I said, and you know they tried to patch me up. And you know we had enough training to know you don't go into shock. You know you get your heart rate up, you bleed out a lot faster, and I lost a lot of blood. And um, I'm f- probably from me to you, and the medic is doing the nine line medevac, which they tell you, you know, how severe somebody is. And, you know, the helicopter didn't want to come because we were under attack at that point. They knew they hit somebody and they were trying to, they were trying to take us. And so medevac helicopters don't land when it's hot, you know, because they can't risk it. But uh, medic told them I had 20 minutes to live and they decided to change their mind and came out there. And long story short, they got me and they, they tried to shoot the helicopter down when I was trying to land. And, um, but yeah, I got back, you know, just in time. They Man, drilled God. in my arm and was in Germany for a day or two and then flew to Fort Sam, uh, in San Antonio. That's where I live, uh, September 11, 2011. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I landed there and uh rest is history. Wow. So Man. that's that's like a cliff note, I guess. That's awesome, bro. Well, now, uh, because of this injury and and just different events that took place in your life after that point. Uh, I mean, how how long was were you in the hospital after that happened? I mean, what was I mean? That's a very severe injury. So, yeah. how long were you in the hospital after that? Well, you know, I was actually pretty lucky. I should have lost my leg and arm, but I didn't. So, um, I was only in the hospital for about a month. Uh, your mom actually came to visit me. It was pretty nice. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I was in the hospital about a month, and then once they could get my pain meds right and the majority of my surgeries were under control, for the most part anyways, then they could move me out. Um, and then I just started every, you know, they just moved me out of the hospital. They always try to do that as quick as they can. So I still was there for another 18 months, you know, doing the recovery thing, occupational therapy, mental therapy, and all that stuff. So um, yeah. it's a tough road. but Yeah, man. You look good today, bro. It's hard to imagine that you were hit by a bomb. <laughs> like, well, like that's yeah. hard to imagine. Well, I can here tell you, I, you know. I can tell you, man. Like you live at a hospital that long, and um, you know, it, it's hard to. Some people feel sorry for themselves, and I think they get themselves into a dark hole doing that. But I, you know, when you see a nineteen-year-old kid that's a triple amputee that's going around and is fancy wheelchair with his cowboy hat loving life what do you got to complain about you know there's plenty of people that had it worse than i did and there's some people i had it worse than they did you know and and um you know i just had to you know i was older when i got hit so i didn't i wasn't 20 years old and had my life ahead of me i was older so i needed to i couldn't let those injuries you know prevent me from slowing in progress you know you had to Make yeah. sure, you know, and a lot of successful vets and especially disabled vets will tell you if they got, you know, severely injured that they don't let those injuries define them. You know, they they don't want to be known as that guy that always needs help, you know, or girl that always needs help. They, yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, so you're injured, and I know a few, um, a few years ago, uh, President George W. Bush um, he started painting the portraits of courage, and he ended up publishing them and releasing them to the world. Uh, and for those listening, Josh is actually featured in uh, President George W. Bush's Portrait of Courage. Uh, what a high honor that is! Josh has actually um, uh, he's actually spent quite a bit of time with President Bush. And uh, goes mountain biking with him regularly. It sounds like I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. He actually does that. And um, so tell us what that was like when you found out you're going to be in the portraits of courage and also (laughs) that you're going to get to be hanging with the president of the United States. Tell us a little bit about that because that's a huge honor. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. I mean, it's. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to downplay it. It's it's a it's a huge it's a huge honor. you know, I applied for the ride. He does a, a ride every other year. It's the W100K. I applied for it in 2014. They select 16, 17 people out of however many applicants. And it's just kind of worked out well. You know, I, I, be able, I was able to, um, you know, you get to 
be with him at his ranch. I mean, close. I mean, hugging you, shaking your hand. You can eat lunch with them. Wow. Him and his wife, and um, they open up their home to us, and um, that's it's pretty awesome, cool. Bro. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. And then I just made friends. Not with, every president does that. Like that's no president does that. That's an you know, amazing. He's thing, got a bro. huge heart for veterans, and he's an avid mountain biker and avid golfer. Um, he's he's got. 70 miles of mountain bike trails on his ranch that are awesome. Right. But, uh, you know, I just kind of made friends with the people that worked out on the ranch and jokingly I said, Hey, if you ever want me to come back and ride, let me know. And they're like, well, actually we want people to ride here more because it keeps the trails in better condition a lot. Anyways, fast forward. So after a couple years of doing that and I got an email that was like, a they're like urgent email. We need you to sign this release. We need to, you know, this is what he said because the president's paying you. We need you to be, are you okay with that? And I'm like, uh, yeah. And they're like, wow, well, <laughs> we forgot to email you. Please do this. You know, it got lost. And I was like, okay, yeah. So it was kind of neat. You know, I'm you've like, never responded to an email that fast. No. And I said, I don't care if he painted my big toe. <laughs> I say yes. And, uh, it was pretty awesome. I didn't actually get to, it's kind of, I mean, it's not like I'm, you know, best friends with him or anything like that, but the dynamic definitely changed with him and the and the veterans he painted. He painted '96, and so I was lucky uh, to be one of the ones. And um, page 125, if you really want to know, what yeah. page. Um, but anyways, yeah. So it's it's been a really cool experience because the the exhibit travels, you know, the live painting. So I've been fortunate enough to to go to some of those events and stand next to my painting and tell my story and Man. you know stuff like that. That's pretty awesome. But, that is so awesome, Josh. I love that. Yeah. And I have a lot of respect for uh, President Bush for doing that. I, I honor him for that. Now, um, I want to shift a little bit because I want to talk about, um, you know, we've talked about combat. We've talked about all the practical side of of being in the Army, the terrifying stuff you went through to the, you know, the, the good moments, the bad moments, everything in between. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about what it means to be uh, an apostolic. And the, the majority of people that will be listening are probably going to be uh, between 13 and 30. They're probably a Christian of some kind. <laughs> maybe you're listening. Maybe you're not apostolic, but maybe you're a person of faith. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, but what was it like for you, uh, being a Christian and being an apostolic, uh, which for those of you who don't know what it means to be apostolic, that means you're conservative, you're living out what the Bible says, you believe in holiness, you believe in Jesus' name, baptism, I mean the Holy Ghost, you've lived this life, and now you are in the army, <laughs> okay? And I know there's a lot of young listeners that listen to this podcast. They reach out to me and tell me their stories. Some of them might be contemplating going into the military. What was that like for you, and how did you keep living for Jesus in an atmosphere without as much accountability? Hmm. Mm. Um, <laughs> well, I mean... Sometimes you just don't know, you know, it's, uh, I think some of it might've been because I'm older, maybe, uh, you know, like I said, yeah. I joined when I was 28, but you know, I was lucky to be, you know, at a church that emphasized the, that the walk with Jesus is very, very important because what if you're put in a place where you can't lean on that pastor or depend on a church like you normally are used to, you know, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Tuesday, whatever it is. Uh, what if you can only go once a month because there's nothing else you can do because you're in a situation where, you know, like in the army or something, you know, like many times I tried to drive to church and somebody would get into trouble and I'd have to turn around and come back and couldn't leave. You know, I've done that many times, Yeah. you know, and when you're deployed, you know, I mean, the army does a pretty good job. If you want to observe a day for religion, they're, they're actually pretty good about it, but n <laughs> they ain't no, you know, Pentecostal preachers over there for sure, you know. Yeah, but yeah. 
Uh, it's just it, they it, have it, chapel and things like that. Yeah, or? but not not really. I mean, yeah. in basic they did, and most people just did that so they get out of work, but <laughs> get to doing stuff on Sundays. But what you're saying before, I mean, you're basically surrounded by the most filthy talk, filthy, filthy of the filthy all the time, especially with the infantry. I don't know what the other branches do, but I mean, you're in it. You're with, you know dudes that are ready to go you know and they're not always you know the most polite or you know that's the kind of guys you want out front doing that stuff don't get me wrong but being surrounded by that it can affect you Mm -hmm. you know if you're not trying to actively have a walk with god and having a relationship with accountability you know like you have a pastor you have a friend you got to get people around you that will make you accountable um and i just like i said i'm my buddy you know he wasn't Pentecostal, but he was Christian enough, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie and say that I was picture perfect. You know, there was some stuff. I mean, it's not like I did anything terrible, but, you know, some of my standards kind of laxed a little bit because where I was. And sometimes I didn't have any choice because you have to wear what they tell you to wear. But um, you just do your best. I mean, it's it's really tough to to jump in a big pile of sewage and and try to keep yourself clean when you're in the middle of it you know it's pretty good representation right but if you're treading and you're trying to stay clean uh i i believe you can um but i mean to to really put it to you it is a hundred percent a personal walk and you got to make sure you're the most solid person that you've ever met before you try to go into that i'm I, I've only known ever one other person that was apostolic that was in that came out apostolic at the end. I, yeah, it's very few and far between. So being an 18 year old kid, shaky in church, not sure what's going on and the military is their choice. And we were at lunch today and I told you, I said, I don't think I'd ever talk anybody out of joining the military. I think some of the most successful parts of my life were because I joined the military, but it's just, uh, I mean, that's the only way I can put that. I feel like it was God's will that I did it because to survive what all I survived. And I don't talk about like, Oh, look at me. I survived. But if you really sit back and, and look at that and see where everything went and then you look back and see, man, I, how in the world I get here? And it's like, there's only one answer to that. So, you know, I, I don't know if I'm an expert on everybody's life. I think that everybody's different. There's people that could go in. It, and you could join the Army and you could be, you know, a truck driver. You could be artillery. You could be uh intelligence guy. And I think that you might have a better shot because um, the environment's different. Um, right. Not yeah. lessening other jobs, but it's just everybody sure. knows that you join a combat unit, you're a camaraderie, you're brothers, you're with it 24-7. So, I mean... If somebody was really con- seriously considering it, um, they should really talk to somebody that's been in it that knows. Uh, it does change quite a bit, but I think I think the lack of expectation is is something that you can clue people in and say, "Hey, this is what you should expect." You know, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. they'll let you have a Bible, and you need to read it. You need to, you know, they that's want you to bond with your, you know, they yeah. want you to bond with your unit, but you have to be able to. Trust yourself not to be put in those situations because it's easy to do, you know. Were you able to take um, just some daily time and just say, you know what, I'm going to, I don't know how much privacy you have, so it's like. Zero. Zero. So, you know, and I know I'm getting real candid here and just like practical, but were there ever times where you just had to just pray in there and be like, you know, whoever's here is here whoever likes it likes it whoever doesn't like it doesn't like it our barracks i mean we had i mean like i said fort polk i mean my barracks had brown water for nine months and it was cold i mean it was terrible like not everybody had that and some people maybe had it worse but it was it was pretty stupid there for a while and they were gonna tear the building down when we deployed so they didn't really want to fix anything and that's fine but i mean we had two people and basically one person barrack and so it wasn't like we were on top of each other but it was no close the door and you could have a prayer closet it was just privacy yeah yeah i mean you can get in your car you could do certain things you know i mean like i said it whenever somebody wants to and like we were talking about today i mean not to 
go off topic because you want to talk about military, but this, I think this applies to anybody that's trying to leave where they're used to being, right? So right. you try to leave a, a church or somewhere and you're going to college or you're, you know, maybe even you're an adult like me and you move a job and you have to move with your job and you're so used to that safe, I know where I can go pray, I know where I can go to church, I know, but whenever you... I think that's the true test of somebody's faith. I personally believe that 100% because I've lived it a couple times where you had to leave your comfort zone and you had to figure out, you have to make it work. You know, you have to adapt, you have to overcome. And uh, if you truly want to have the walk, you'll figure out, you know, you figure out a place to do it. It doesn't necessarily have to be even in your house or in a closet, you know. It just, I think prayer closet is a metaphor, personally. Mm -hmm. You know, somewhere where you can connect but somewhere you can go yeah but there's sometimes there's nowhere you can go so you got you got to figure it out and uh i think god knows i think god gives you i'm hoping that god gives you a little bit of a for effort i hope absolutely absolutely <laughs> i mean i hope i don't you know i don't know but yeah i believe that man but yeah i believe that bro well there's listeners listening right now hello young man young lady you might be 18 years old 19 20 <laughs> You're thinking about maybe I want to go into the, the military, you know, and this is uh, this is a topic we've never talked about on the podcast, and I'm I'm so privileged and honored to get to have this conversation with you today, Josh. But um, what would you like to leave with listeners that might be considering going into the military? What would be your advice to them in your uh, closing statement as to what should you consider? <laughs> <laughs> and then after you've considered it, if if you decide, because just to kind of reiterate what you're saying, you're not going to discourage anybody from going in, but they need to know what they're getting themselves into. Correct. Correct. So if they make that decision, what should they expect and how can they make sure? Because I know you, man. I know that your relationship with God is the most important thing to you. And how can we tell these young people listening right now that... Your relationship with God is the most important thing. What what would you tell to them if they're thinking about going into the military? Well, actually, this would be for any youth pastor, any pastor listening, mm-hmm. and anybody considering. If they are considering it, um, I think that you should talk to your youth pastor or your pastor, because mm, I, like I think they're going to pay attention to more. That's what, some good advice right well, there. Well, I mean, it's I think it's something <laughs> it that is. they pay attention probably to your spiritual health, and even you probably do. But at the same time, if they don't have any experience in the military, they don't know what to expect either. Yeah, you know, and so that's it. I I, I wish there was an easy answer for that. Um, yeah, and I I hope nobody's wanting an easy answer for that. But I really do believe it's it. I think you have to be a mentally tough person to be a Christian or even a Pentecostal to join. Um, somebody that has a real firm grip, a real down to earth, not easily. Um, influenced you know those are traits that you need if you're i mean obviously be able to follow orders but also not be overly influenced by bad things Mm, and um and then i would also tell people um what they're trying to join for i think that the military is a great program for for kids that you know maybe families don't have money to send them to college i think it's an excellent program i think it teaches them a lot um I see a lot of people come in and come out better people. I've seen coming people come in terrible and leave terrible. It's it literally it just depends on the person um, how they go in. But um, because if you think that you're going to join and come back with medals on your chest and and have all the guts and glory, if that's your if that's your you know reason to go, and you think whenever you get out. You're going to be walking down the street and people are going to recognize what you did. They There's a very small percentage of people that actually know the difference between somebody like me and then somebody that was in the Air Force that just graduated today and he's going to, you know, type up reports all day. Nothing wrong with that, but I'm saying that you will get really frustrated fast if, you know, you go to a military night and they say, stand up if you're military and everybody claps, and you're waiting for them to say, well, keep standing if you're infantry or combat. They don't do that because people appreciate your service no matter what. So that's what I'm saying is if if you really want to join the military and if it's maybe not something, a career, um, 
<laughs> I'm sure all my army, army buddies and some other people, but I would say, you know, try to pick a job that you can translate into um, civilian service. So if you can try to get a job with the Air Force, there's some jobs with the Army as well. But to get that training and get that experience of living away from your folks and, and being out in the real world and on the taxpayer's dime and, and serving their country and then coming out on top and preparing themselves for a civilian world if they don't decide to um, stay in forever. I think that's a that's about the best advice I could give anybody. Man, that's good, Josh. Well, man, I'm so thankful that we got to have this conversation tonight. I appreciate you coming over so late to have it. It really means a lot to me, bro. I'm excited that you're in town. Um, I'm going to close this out in prayer at your request. (laughs) I would be be honored to have you lead it, but you can just pray with me. But what I want to do is close out this podcast in prayer. And I want us to pray for a few things. We're going to pray for our country. We're going to pray for our leadership, our president. We're going to pray for our veterans, all the soldiers that are fighting. And uh, and we're going to just pray for all those that are considering making this decision, you know. Uh, I was joking with Josh earlier. I told him, I said, I'm in the Lord's army. And he told me, he said, listen, that's the most important battle you'll ever fight. And I respect you for that. So so let's close out in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to have this conversation today. Lord, I pray for our president. I pray for this great country. I pray that you would draw us closer to you. I pray, Lord, that we would make decisions as a country that is based on you and your word because that's what this country was based on. I pray you touch every veteran, every soldier, Lord. Any person that's in combat, I pray a hedge of protection around them. And God, I pray, Lord, for all those who have served and now are living in the civilian life. I pray you'd bless them and you'd keep them and give them great success, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Josh, I love you, bro. You're like a brother to me and and uh, I'm thankful for you, man. Thanks for doing this I appreciate this today. it. And, you know, uh, just thought if, if there's any of those pastors or youth pastors that want to reach out to you and have any questions, I'm more than happy to, to help out. Absolutely, know. bro. Absolutely. Yeah, reach out. Um, you can email me at nathanandrachelmusic at gmail.com. If you have any questions, you can also leave me a voice message right here on the Anchor app. If you have any questions for Josh, I've got his cell number, guys. I know the dude that hangs out with George Bush. <laughs> I have his cell, so if you need to reach out to him, I've got it. It will get I would you be happy to, to follow it will get up with you him. Nowhere. It'd be my honor, bro. But man, I love you. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for being on the show, bro. All right. Thanks, man.